This episode of Bomber Breakdown is brought to you by Old Haas Radborn. gentlemen welcome back to another episode of bomba breakdown it is february 22nd and uh malcolm my birthday is on sunday or that's no that's not true but <laughs> but it feels like it it feels like it's spring training the first game for the minnesota twins spring training is this next sunday malcolm I was about to say, I was like, wait, what? That was not the intro we planned. Uh, I didn't know that at all. But yes, it does feel that way. It's one of the best days of the year when pitch and catchers report spring training and just see everyone there and the smiles on the players' faces. They see their teammates the first time in a while. You can't see many of the smiles with all the masks they're wearing this year. But it's just a happy time and the expectations are high and everyone thinks their team's going to win the world series. It's just a fun time to be a baseball fan. For sure. Um, Malcolm, I, you know, I just got some, some new cleats came and so, um, or I got them from a friend, but either way, just, you know, just kind of reminds me, man, baseball is coming up, baseball, baseball. Um, so this is going to be probably one of the more positive episodes you've heard over the off season. We've been, I'd say relatively negative. We're, I, we try to be optimistic twins fans, but we're kind of just fed up with, you know, what the league has been doing with all this and, um, you know, rankings and how overlooked the twins are, but that's why we're going to prove them wrong. Anyways, let's talk a little bit more about spring training. So I saw Josh Donaldson had arrived um, even like, I think it was the day or maybe even a little bit before um, pitchers and, ca- and catchers reported. That was really fun to see. Obviously taking hacks that guy just puts his everything out on the field. And like, obviously, you know, puts everything into training. Um, just a really hard worker. Yeah. One thing I saw is that Donaldson this year, Last year, he wore number 24, which for most of his career has been number 20, but Eddie Rosario had 20 last year. And this year, Donaldson's taking 20 back since Rosario's gone. And, I mean, it doesn't really have any change in the field, but it's possible that he could change his mentality. And either way, just if we can – we're hoping to get him back like he was in Atlanta and Toronto and Oakland. And that's the first step on the way there, I like to think. But, yeah, just seeing him in spring training, he's – trying to get in shape and make sure his calf's at a point where he can stay healthy and play 140, 150 games this year. And that's really what we're hoping for from him. For sure. Um, as far as other guys, I, it's one of my favorites to see has just been Kenta Maeda. I love watching him pitch. Um, his pitching face is one of the best in ba- baseball, the way he grits his teeth. It's just really fun to see him throwing. Brios out there, Pineda. I mean, there's very few guys that haven't been there. One notable person who hasn't, Ben at Campy has Jay Happ, who tested positive for COVID-19 on intake. He is supposedly asymptomatic, but he's quarantining until he gets a negative test and can join the team. But just about everyone else has showed up already. For sure. Um, yeah, we wish all the best for Jay Happ. Um, uh, speed of recovery, again, asymptomatic, which is obviously a very good sign. Hopefully it'll just you know, be a little bit less than a week-long thing, just a small little bug, and then it'll, he'll be able to pitch again. Um, but yeah, I'm just so excited. You know, something interesting is the twins have a lot of, we don't have the, that one massive signing, but we have a, a bunch of different signings and I'm just so excited to see them all play Matt Shoemaker, all these different, you know, guys we've picked up off of waivers um, like Ian Hamilton and all. Um, and, you know, Sean Anderson off of the trade, of course, uh, 
Ian Happ, Matt Shoemaker, like I already said, Hansel Robles even. I'm just excited to see these guys. Alex Colomay. Alex Colomay. I saw him at, at Campy <laughs> looking awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's just going to be very, very exciting. Also, something I saw I read into is that Kent Maeda said he's working on his arsenal and, like, working for another pitch. That could be I, – I, you know, it could be like a curveball that he's really going to try to master – Imagine Kent Maeda, what he did last year with like this crazy good mastered curveball. Like that's it's disgusting what this guy could do, Malcolm. I mean, he already has three pitches he has incredible command of with the fastball, the slider, and the split finger changeup. Like those three pitches are enough for any said it could be you can throw him as well as he does. Yeah. And he also has he had a curveball that he broke on occasion last year and it was effective when he threw it. Like so he really had four pitches. He didn't go to the curveball. I just he didn't need it with how effective he was. But if he could get that to be even more effective or get a cutter or something, just another weapon, it could be even more deadly than he was. And he was so, so good last year. Looking back on that Bruce Dark Radaroff Kentamaeda trade, it's sad to see Bruce Dark go. And he's been good for the Dodgers so far, and I expect him to continue to be. But I would make that trade a thousand times out of a thousand. And it's so paid off for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, Bruce, Bruce, all right. he's been good. He's going to be good. Um, it's exciting. I'm, I mean, I'm just like happy for him. I'm happy for the Dodgers. You know, he like won a world series, um, you know, good for him pitched. Well, they gave him high leverage spots. He's going to be a really good reliever, but to have a guy, Kent Maeda, who pitches so much more than anybody like, um, uh, Bruce Argraderall is just, it's so much more valuable. Um, and so now I think we're going to get into our next bit of news. I, I kind of realized now that I, I almost spoiled it a little bit um, when I was listening to some players I, ex- I was excited for. The Twins. You actually spoiled it twice. I did. I did. I, I accidentally said his name twice. I was just kind of bringing, bringing, <laughs> bringing back that memory. But the Twins signed right-handed pitcher Mike Sh- or, sorry, Matt Shoemaker. Um, excuse me. Uh, he has pitched for L.A. for most of his career, pitched for Toronto a little bit. He's been injury-plagued, though. Um, he took a line drive off of his head. He, I think he had like surgery for that, and so that was a really yeah, big that was deal. brutal. That was really, it was in the minors though, I think. But either way, it was really big deal. Missed a lot of time for that, obviously. Um, so it was like a really serious injury, and then he's just had his like fair share of injuries over the years. He really didn't pitch much in 2018, 2019, 2020. Just did not pitch much. I I don't know. I'm still excited about him though because he could. He's going to be competing for our fifth spot, Malcolm. Yeah, um, I'm super – I think it's a good signing. It was only $2 million, so it's pretty cheap for a starting pitcher. And he can provide value far in excess of that if he can stay healthy. Um, over the course of his career, he's had a 3.86 career ERA, which that out of a fifth starter is incredible stuff. The real question, like we said a couple times now, is can he stay on the field? Um, he's thrown 28 and two-thirds innings both last two seasons. This year, this past year, obviously being a shortened season, but still only started six games, started five the year before that, and seven the year before that. He hasn't – He his first few years in 2014, 15, 16, he got into 25 or more games all three years. And then 2017, he only pitched about half that, and then it's been half that each last three years. So it's just a question of how many innings can you get out of him. And it's good to just add more depth to our rotation. You look at Randy Dobnak, who is already one of the best fifth stars in baseball, and now he's our sixth starter. And you look at Devin Smelter, who was pretty good for sixth starter, and now he's our seventh starter. And just to have that depth in the rotation, to know that you've got two or three more guys you can still go to and get quality innings is more than most teams can say. For sure. Um, it's it's going to be – you know, I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, 
what I think is also a very underrated aspect of the Twins is that <clears throat> we have that depth. You know, the White Sox, they, they've got – not to say they don't have depth, but, you know, they've got Giolito, Keiko, Lynn as their top three. Um, you know, Lynn and Keiko could probably be switched around there. But then who, who else do they have? You know, Dylan Cease, I guess, Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. Like, those three are going to be fighting for, like, that fifth spot or, the, like, the third and fourth – or fourth and fifth spot, I'm sorry. It's really – it's they're going to choose the best out of those three but I don't see them having that, you know, fourth and fifth um, starter depth that the Twins do now. Uh, you know, Jay Happ is better than any three of those guys. Matt Shoemaker, Randy Dobnak. Like you were saying, what were the pro- projections that you were seeing on Randy Dobnak? Oh, I saw that the projected war. He had the he was tied for the highest projected war of any fifth starter in baseball with Chris Paddock of the Padres, who everyone talks about the Padres' incredible rotation depth, which they really do. They've got six or seven guys who I'd trust start a game, but so do the Twins now. And just to have a guy who's tied for the highest of any fifth starter and now be your sixth starter is just a great thing to have. Yeah, and I think it goes it, – it's underappreciated even amongst Twins fans. Like, I, I, I think people even, again, in Twins territory underestimate how, how lucky we are to, like, have such an interesting and cool and just fun team. Um, if you Again, if you just look at the depth, it's like most teams cannot say – like. I think it was the like uh, the Orioles or something signed Freddie Galvis as their starting shortstop or second baseman. I don't know where he would play, but it's like and it's like easily a starter. The Twins, it's like we would maybe we would take him as like a bench bat. Maybe I I don't think we would though. Um, it's the Twins have that much depth. Um, but again, uh, you look at Matt Shoemaker. His ERA has been, you know, hovering in a good spot. One one dot one eight two WHIP. Um, doesn't strike out the most batters per nine. Um, doesn't give up a crazy amount of home or he he gives up a solid amount of homers. I don't know. It's a fifth starter, so I don't know what um should be expected. Uh, but a four point oh three FIP means you know that uh three point eight six uh ERA isn't exactly you know um isn't exactly lucky and he's done it for a while now. So, but again, you look at what he did in like 2014, he went 16 and four. He um, had a, he had an ERA of 3.04 through 136 innings, which isn't great, but for a fifth starter, who's like, he's, there's no way that Matt Shoemaker is going to get all this time at the fifth starter. You know, there are going to be a bunch of different guys that get it. I think Lewis Thorpe could get some time. Cause I think I am a little bit higher on him than I used to be. Uh, but Randy Dobnak is going to get a lot of time too. So I think there are a lot of guys who could get that fifth spot, that fifth starter time. It just depends on who it is. Um, but again, Matt Shoemaker for a fifth starter. I'm, I like the signing and, and I don't think we, we didn't even mention this. It was $2 million guys. I think this is a low risk signing. It's a very low risk signing. Say he works out then great. You just signed a great, a good fifth starter for $2 million. That's perfect. $2 million for a starter? We paid Hansel Robles, Hansel Robles like that much. Um, and then you look at, um, you know, if, say, he doesn't pan out, then fine. It's $2 million. It's not the end of the world. You, you know, I just think um, with how this team's depth looks and stuff, $2 million for Matt Shoemaker is a very good sign. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you're going to see with Matt Shoemaker out on the mound. He throws five pitches, or at least he did this past year. He throws a split finger primarily. What I like is he doesn't throw any one pitch too much. Throws a split finger about 30% of the time, a little over that. 
throws a sinker about 25% of the time. He throws a forcing fastball about 20% of the time, a slider about 20% of the time, and that curveball about 5% of the time. And so just having those five pitches where you can throw them all consistently, and he puts them around the edges too. If you look at where he throws them, the split finger is never up and away to a righty, up and into a lefty. He just puts it down that bottom corner, down and into a righty. And that's a spot where a split finger from a righty is going to break down in on them. That's going to really limit hard contact. Throws a sinker that does the same thing, except a little higher up in the zone. Forcing fastball, he puts on the top edge of the zone, which is really hard to hit. Uh, the slider he puts down and away. Like, he just – he locates them all really well. He's effective by his location, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And if you look at velocity – He's slightly below average velocity, sits about 92 with the fastball, can touch 96 at his best, but that's rare. Um, his changeup's about league average, around 86. The slider is closer to 82, 83. And then his curveball is around 75, so big, slow curve. This is similar to a lot of stuff you'll see from Twins pitchers. The slider he relies on a lot and throws it well. Uh, lower velocity slider than some of the guys. But if you look at his um, percentile rankings, this is from a shortened season, so you can't put a ton of stock in these numbers, but he's above average in whip percentage and walk percentage. So he's not going to walk down guys. He's going to strike a decent number out. Over his career, he's been about average in both of those, slightly above average in walks. So he'll throw a good amount of strikes. And the hard hit contact, not exactly where you'd want it to be, but it's, he lets up a few more big hits than you'd like to see. But if he's letting up fly balls with Byron Buxton, Max Kepler out there, not many of them are going to fall. For sure, um, yeah, loving what you're saying, man. I he had a he had a changeup in like er, earlier in his years, but then kind of gave it up, and then he switched over to that split finger that um, that he really he uses a you know he uses it a fair amount, um, <laughs> you know most of any other pitch. Uh, again, that arsenal is just really really good. A guy like this has to have command, of course, and you like we've seen with Matt Shoemaker. We, the thing is, with Matt Shoemaker, his sample size isn't crazy. From what he's played, he's been good. When he's played, like, more than, you know, 10 games in the season, he's been good. If we can at least have, like, 10 games out of this guy, I think he'll be a very good signing. And if you look, again, the slider has been well-located. That four-seamer has, looks like it's been well-located. Same with the sinker, split finger, and curveball. Those are all like areas where you want those pitches. I think the curveball, you know, he could use a little work on, but he doesn't. He throws it five percent of the time. You know, the split, the split finger um, spots are perfect. Same with the four seamer, the sinker, the slider. That's that, and those are the pitches that he needs to command. And so that is why I am super excited for him. And to and something else too, um, his barrel percentage. Like if you look at his barrel percentage, is just. Um, I don't know. If you look at his exit velocity, his barrel percentage, his hits, he just he doesn't give up that hard of contact. You know, he's one of those guys. He just has a good arsenal. He locates his pitch as well, um, and he could be an exciting guy to watch. Max, I'm going to give you a couple his most similar comps. His two most similar comps based off of velocity and movement of his pitches. I'm going to give you two names back to back. One's going to make you feel really good about the match break sign. One's going to make you feel really bad about it. The first name is going to make you feel really good. His most similar comp in 2020 based off velocity movement. Kenta Maeda. Now, you know, we love Kenta Maeda. We were just talking about it earlier. Great stuff. He uses it effectively. If the Twins can make Matt Shoemaker, it's not going to make him into Kenta Maeda, but if they can make him even close to that, bro, that would be so awesome. Because that for $2 million? I mean, Kenta Maeda is only like three, bro. Maeda's a total bargain, the deal we've got him on. But to get Shoemaker anywhere near that would be awesome. The second name is going to make you feel a lot worse is Kyle Gibson, was the second most similar comp. 
We know we've seen Kyle Gibson a lot. We do not like him. The big difference there between Maeda and Gibson is the control factor. Maeda's got incredible control of his pitches and can put them seemingly wherever the catcher's glove is. Whereas Gibson struggled with control a lot during his career, was wild, couldn't find the strike zone. So I feel like that's the big thing for Shoemaker is how well can you control them. And those are two ideas that Twins fans will know that should give you some idea of where he could be and some idea where we don't want him to be. For sure. Um, and again, if you look at, um, and you know, you know, longtime twin, uh, sorry, <laughs> longtime twin, uh, Kyle Gibson, for me, if you look at his, I don't know, the difference also between Shoemaker and Gibson is Gibson. I'd say Fulton Evich is actually probably that, like, um, maybe could be like the ace, but G- Gibson's like up there. He's probably a number two. You know, I'd put him at number two. Who else do they have? They have I guess they have Dane Dunning, but I'd still put Gibson at like number two ish, you know? Maybe, maybe even, one. yeah, he could even be their ace. The fact that you have two aces matched up with Matt Shoemaker, I know one is in like one of the best teams in the league. One is probably even could be the worst team in the league. It's still, you know, could be an ace for a team. Kyle Gibson is not a bad pitcher. And for a fifth starter, if, if Matt Shoemaker puts up, anywhere in between Kent Maeda and Kyle Gibson, I am happy with it. Happy with it. If it's 10 games and he gives up that as a fifth starter for $2 million, that's why I just love the signing. It's, you know, he could, he could play in one game and get blown up. And then the twins are like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to let you pitch anymore. We've got Dobnak. We've got Smelter. We've got Thorpe. We've got all these guys who can fill his shoes. Again, I think, Hey, We've got Jordan Belazovic and Joan Duran, who are probably going to get some of that fifth stuff, fifth spot time. I think that's another thing we have to take into account. These guys are going to get some starting time. It just depends on when. Um, and so we've got so much depth in our in our farm system in our in you know in the roster right now. Um, and so that's just why it's it's crazy. I think potentially now that shoemaker has signed i think that dobnak might get the start in the bullpen even i could see him getting a start in the bullpen maybe because yeah. I, I think he would be more reliable in the bullpen to pitch like a, like three four innings than anybody like smelter or thorpe and then with matt shoemaker as your fifth starter you know see if it doesn't work for the first few games it's not like the twins are going oh in like 162 you know we've, we've got such a good team this is just such a minute like little it not even an issue it's just such a little detail that um, I think we're good. I'm just going to give you one more name that is a close comp shoemaker based off movement velocity. That's Jake Odorizzi. Blue Twins lost this offseason. Obviously, we don't expect Shoemaker to be as good as Odorizzi was in 2019, but to have him replace Odorizzi with similar stuff, it's another thing where, like, you just find that. And the Twins have worked with guys. Like, the point of these comparisons is that Wes Johnson, Rocco Baldelli have worked with guys with similar stuff and movement to <laughs> Matt Shoemaker, and they could really do something big with it. For sure. Um, so I think that is going to take us to the break, right? Yep. Uh, we'll be back on the second half with some talk about potential extensions and something else. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this next segment of Bomba Breakdown. Um, so we're going to, you know, this is going to be a really fun segment here. Um, or this this next half of Bomber Breakdown will be really fun overall. But right now, let's talk about Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis Jr. just signed a 14-year, $340 million extension. Yeah, 
Uh, it's the longest player contract in baseball history. 14 years is a really long time to sign a player, but when he's a 22-year-old superstar who's one of the most electric players in the game, someone who people turn on their TV just to watch him play, that's it's great to see it happening and great to see him get paid, but I'd say even with it being $340 million, you look at how much money he could make if he were to not sign an extension like this and go forward into the open free agent market in five years, he could have made he could have made tons more than this. So I would say this is almost a team-friendly deal, despite the fact that it's a ton of money. But on Tatis's end, he guarantees himself $340 million, and you never know what could happen. I mean, like most players who are as good as Tatis's, as young as Tatis's, his company right now for guys who are that good when they were that age is like Mike Trout. And there's a couple other guys, Albert Pujols, who are legendary generational players who are as good as he was. But there's also a few examples you can find of players who got hurt or had like nagging injury issues or just never got comfortable the way they were at the beginning. That makes you, it's good for him to get the guarantee of a ton of money. And it's good for baseball to have a franchise player. Cause we keep talking about bets, Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, Francisco Lindor, all getting traded from the teams where they were the favorite players in their cities of so many kids and getting traded away and how that loses baseball fans. So to see a guy like this, who the fans love, and his teammates love to see him get to stay in the same place. It's just a good thing for baseball. For sure. Um, the Padres are an exciting team. They've got a lot of fun players. Um, they've got a fun team, a good team. Um, I'd put them at, you know, second. Uh, it's arguable, but I'd put them at, you know, second, third in the um, in the entire MLB for teams. And now to sign Tatis for $340 million. Oh, man. Uh, you know, they're going to be paying him for a long time time um you know Tatis I think something else Tatis isn't that old um Tatis Holmes you know he's what 21 22 this is his age 22 season so he's gonna be signed until he's like 36 we're gonna be how old are we gonna gonna be like 30 wow that's just crazy to think man that sounds so far off it's almost the contract's almost as old as we are now which is just or it's gonna be as old by its end as we are now that's just crazy to think about um but the reason we bring this up is because we want to talk about what extensions Twins players could potentially be signing. Um, there's a couple of Twins players that are main candidates for extension right now, and that's Jose Brios and Byron Buxton are the two. They're going to be free agents in a couple of years, and both of them um, are guys with superstar potential who you might want to sign now before they have their big breakouts. But neither of them has been super excited about signing extension because they think that they've got more in there, but if they sign extension now, they're not going to be able to get the money for their true potential. So... It doesn't seem like either of them are imminent, but I would love to twin sign both of them up. Rios is a guy who, even if he doesn't take the next step to be a true ace, he's a great number two. He's consistent. He can get you a lot of innings. Like, it's underrated how good of a workhorse Jose Rios is. He's reliable to pitch six or seven innings to start, which is a rare thing in the modern game. So just, I would love to see both those guys. And Buxton, not sure how well his skill set's going to age, but he's just so good defensively that just even a couple more years of having him, I would love to have, and I don't know how much that would cost. Once he hits free agent market, I think there are lots of teams who could use a defensive center fielder with his capabilities, as well as someone with his offensive abilities. Yeah, it, I, I just hate it, man. I cannot imagine somebody um, – I, I, I don't know. I just can't imagine somebody else with Byron Buxton. Um, I don't know, man. The guy, the guy has pop. He's fast. He's good. At, he's good defensively. He can hit. For contact, obviously, like I said, he can hit for power. He's just good all around. He's a five-tool guy. Um, 
I mean, if you look like 2019, he had, you know, obviously a good, you know, good year, but he was injured for a lot of it, right? This year, um, in 39 games, he had more homers than he did last year. His pop was crazy. He had, he was just better than he was last year and he was injured for a lot of it. And so what we need to have happen, I remember we were going into it super excited for Byron Buxton. He gets injured in a game in like an inter-squad game. So what we need to have happen is for Byron Buxton, if Byron Buxton, like I haven't heard too much from him over the offseason, watch him just like come, like come and he just looks, looks like Barry Bonds. I mean, that would be really suspicious, but um I would be very suspicious if Byron Buxton showed up like Barry Bonds. Let's hope that doesn't yeah. happen, actually. <laughs> but for him to bulk up a little bit would be a good thing. I would love to for see For sure, that. and it would mean less injury. It could mean more pop. It could, you know, his speed wouldn't be, like, crazy affected by it, even if his speed was a little bit affected by it. It's like, the guy is so fast, he's never going to be – he's not just going to be, like, slow after this. He's, he's going to be super fast. He's just going to be super good. The thing is, how much is, gonna, how much is he going to cost? Like you said, nothing. Um, you know, Buxton is – um, he's going to be a free agent in 2023. So I think he's got two years left of his contract. Um, the, I don't know, man. I, we've got it. We should, I would just be pumped to sign him this year. What if he like wins the MVP next year? How much is he going to cost? And then we would have two more years. We would have one more year of control on him. And then you look over at Jose Barrios, a guy where say he like wins, like is like a runner for the sign. He, you know, because there's always that one thing that the guys never figure out. Like Byron Buxton may like, you know, his injury problem is that one thing he can just not figure out. Jose Bruce, the guy, you know, he just can't finish out an entire season effectively, efficiently. He could win a Cy Young. He can win a Cy Young. Free agent at the same time Buxton is. Um, Sign him to an extension now. You're looking good. You've got him for a while. He could win a Cy, he could win a lot of Cy Youngs and, it doesn't cost you as much as it would if, as if you like waited until after. So I understand the twins need to be eager with this, but I think we should be a little bit generous. We should think, Hey, these are guys we really, really value. And they do. They believe they deserve a lot. To be honest, we believe they deserve a lot. How much are we really willing to give them? They just need to, um, they need to go think about this and um, make it, make a decision because um, I just can't stand thinking that in, after two years, Byron, Byron Bucks and Jose Brios are going to be gone. Yeah. Um, I feel like the twins are really building some, especially where they could be a competitive team for a long, long time with the amount of prospect depth they have lots of guys at the high and low levels of the minors who could come up and be impact players. But the thing they're really missing the most in their farm system right now is a truly impactful center fielder. They've got some guys who are fine. They'll be like average, maybe like their best case scenario is average. They don't have the kind of center field prospect right now who could be, who could have anywhere near the ceiling of Byron Buxton. I don't think most of their ceilings are even close to Byron Buxton's like 50th percentile projection. So especially Buxton, I want to see locked up and even Brios. Like we've got some good starting pitchers, but you could always use more starting pitching. So just have a veteran guy there. And we were talking about Tatis and all the franchise players who are gone. The twins currently don't have a franchise player. We don't have that one guy who you would clearly say is our star player. We don't have anyone who's in the conversation for top 10 in baseball. Um, but we've got lots of – but the closest things we have to that are Brios and Buxton, guys who have spent their whole careers in Twins uniforms, who have been really good for us, who are, like, known around the league as Twins players. Like, even Kenta Maeda, who's a really good player for us, he's only played one year in a Twins uniform. Same with Cruz, he only played two. So, like, t- those guys who have spent their whole career and people around the league know them and – recognize their names as twins to lock that up is another good thing just 
Because we want to be appreciated, Max, and that's the way you get appreciated. For sure. Um, yeah, I like what you're saying there. I twins, we always feel underappreciated. Um, but I think part of that is you have to understand that the twins are going to be good. Um, so twins fans, you got to get excited. Um, and now I'm going to really quick touch on a rumor, uh, just about how many fans are going to be in the stands. They were talking, they're hoping to have 10,000 uh, fans in the stands. Um, this isn't saying it's going to happen. This isn't saying that you should get your hopes up if you live in Minnesota, because it might not happen. Um, but 10,000 fans in the stands, uh, there would be social distancing, obviously, between each each ticket, or um, I'm not exactly sure if, it, if they'll do it in, like, groups. Um, still not close enough to the season to know yet. Um, but it'll be really exciting knowing that there are, there's a good chance that there will be fans in the stands for 2020. Not sure what extent. But um, this is super, super exciting. All right. One more name I want to touch on for extension possibilities, Alex Kirilov. We just saw the Padres sign Tatis, who had only played two years, really only one full year's worth of games in the major leagues. There's time to an extension. There's been teams who have signed minor league guys to extensions. The White Sox do that with Luis Robert. They signed him to an extension before he even played a game in the majors. Just like guarantee him some money. I don't think the Twins will do that with Kirilov. I don't know if I'd really want to see them do it. I was I texted Max after the Tatis deal came down. Like, if the Twins offered that to Kirilov, just, like, slightly less money because I don't think Kirilov's best-case scenario is as good as Tatis's because Kirilov doesn't play his premium of a position. And Max said no, and I think I'd probably inclined to agree. But that said, if the Twins gave Kirilov that deal, 14 years, maybe closer to, like, 280 million, so, like, 20 million bucks per year, I think I would be down for that because, like, you guarantee yourselves – a corner bat who can hit for a long time. And I don't think that would, I would be like super, super, super pumped about it, but I would be like, okay, the twins are clearly seeing something here. And I like to just know that that is how you make a franchise player is you get them for 15 years. The last time the twins had a franchise player was Joe Maurer. He played his whole career with the twins and was a superstar for a big part of that. So to have a guy who's there for that long is, would be awesome. For sure. Um, you know, and I think something else to, you know, to, to mention, uh, you see a guy like Luis Robert getting so much hype, so much hype, understandably, he's going to be very good. Um, he had a pretty good 2020, but it was kind of an overrated one at that, like, in my opinion, you know, batting 233, um, which isn't bad, not to say that's bad by any means, you know, 11 homers, got second in the rookie of the year, but a, an OPS plus of 101, that's like, barely above average hitting wise is good defensively but you know he's fast he's he's got the tools he's got the tools he's going to be good but if you look at a guy like Alex Kirilov um you know Luis Robert signed through 2026 and um you know they gave him a lot of money for it and you know then you look at a guy like Alex Kirilov I think the twins could get um you know an extension to sign him through say until he's like 30 for example, or how long is he signed? He's signed until 2027. So, um, yeah, you know, signed until through, you know, age 30 or maybe a little bit later. And I think he's currently signed through about age 30. 30. Okay. We, if we were to sign to extension, we'd probably want to get him through about 31, 32, maybe even 33. But after that, you don't really want to commit to a guy, especially one who's already in the corner because he doesn't have anywhere to really move after that. Yeah, so it's um, – yeah, okay. So I don't know if I would do this just yet. The thing is, we've got him locked up for long enough. I don't want it to be too late. That's not what I'm saying. If he's 30 and he's put up that many good years for the Twins, 
and we can't afford him, fine. That's been a long time without Skirlock. We've got so many other outfielders. We've got Trevor Larnick coming up. We've got, obviously, Byron Buxton's going to be here for a while. Max Kepler. We've got um, Brent Rooker. All these guys are going to have, like, options to be in the outfield. So it's like if we lose Kirloff, I think he would he has the best chance to be our best outfielder, um, you know, out of the prospects. But I think losing him wouldn't be, um, you know, when he's thirty. This is again in seven eight years. You know, so we've got a little ways until this happens. Um, I just I don't see it being. Um, I don't see it. I don't think it's the greatest idea yet. Maybe give him a couple of years. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Give him a couple of years in the bigs. He played one game. And um, got a hit in it, which is like really exciting, of course. But um, you know, give him a little bit in the bigs, make sure he like settles in a little bit. Then maybe say, "Hey, you know, you're good. Let's you know, extend you." Yeah, I like what you're saying there about how if we get to the end of his time with the Twins after six or seven years, and he's good enough where we can't afford to re-sign him, we're going to be very happy with the six or seven years we got of Alex Kirloff. He's that good that we can't afford him. That's a great sign. Um, I. The biggest reason I'd be in on an extension for Kirloff is really that lots of minor league teams play games with their players' service time. Minor league players, they get called up at the start of the year. They have six years of team control, whereas if you wait until um, a little ways into the year, I'm not. it depends on the year exactly when it is, but if you wait a little while, you can get a seventh year of control. And it's pretty likely the Twins would do that this year, which obviously isn't terrible because if you're not – putting Kirloff in left field, your le- left fielder at that point is Lisa Rise probably. Maybe it's Jake Cave, but either one of them, I'd be fine with seeing a lineup. I just really want to see Alex Kirloff as soon as possible because he's going to be a superstar and he's got a chance to win the Rookie of the Year. I want to see him go out and do that. For sure. I think it's super exciting. Again, seeing him win Rookie of the Year, man, it'll just be such a, like, in your face to, like, White Sox fans, MLB. Um, they'd be like, wow, whoever thought this, it's like, we did. So, Mark Edwards, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but, like, if it happens, you know, we called it. <laughs> um, so, now I think we're going to go <laughs> on to some projections, Malcolm. This is kind of, you know, the exciting um, part of the segment. Really exciting. Yeah, we're doing a new thing now. So, for the rest of the offseason, until the season starts, we're each going to pick one pitcher and one hitter um, that's going to play on the Twins next year and make projections for their – um, for hitters, we're going to pick how many games they get into or how many at-bats they had, something along those lines, how many home runs we think they'll have, and basically predict their slash line, batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, and how many war we think they'll have. With pitchers, we'll probably try to figure out how many games they're going to get into, how many innings they're going to pitch, how many saves we think they'll get, and what we predict for like their ERA and whip. Um, whip is walks and hits per inning pitched. It's basically how many guys get on base against them. It's a stat we refer to a lot. Just want to make sure you guys – Know what that is. So this first couple, we're going to actually play a little fun game with them. Sort of like the trivia we had early in the offseason. We're going to give the projection for the player, and we're going to have the other one try to name the player we made that projection for. After a few, we're going to stop doing that because at that point, we've already used up a few of the players. So it's going to be easier to guess, and it's not going to be as challenging anymore. We'll keep doing the projections till opening day and try to get to all of the players that are going to start the year on the Twins, and maybe a few of the ones will start the year in the minors. All right. Yeah, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Malcolm. All right. So I'm going to start with my hitter here. I've got him projected for 140 games, 45 home runs, but I feel like the best-case scenario could be higher than that, and the worst-case scenario isn't that low. I've got him um, slash line of 250 batting average, 350 on base percentage, and 575 slugging, and worth about four, maybe four-and-a-half war. Malcolm, was it Miguel Sano? 
It was I have Miguel not been. Sano. Oh, I did Miguel Sano too. <laughs> oh man, we talked about how this oh. thing happened. If we picked the same and the player. thing is, I think Sano is a really fun player. I projected project because, like, I feel like his best case scenario. I, I said his best case scenario for home runs. He hits fifty five home yeah. runs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I think that's a legitimate possibility is that he's topping fifty in the neighborhood of sixty because he just has so much raw yeah. power. If he can make enough contact to get to it, I have him for five seventy five slugging. That's like top three or four in baseball. Mm. The four war is pretty low, but that's just because I don't think he's going to get on base a ton, and he's not going to be great defensively. He's maybe average at one of the lower positions in the defensive yeah. spectrum. Um, well, man, it's funny that we actually got this. Yeah, again, we were joking about this for a while before. Um, Let's hear your projections. My projections, one, I've got him at 130 games, um, which I think, honestly, it could definitely go higher. Um, but Rocco, Rocco is super conservative with his, you know, with how he plays guys. Uh, I've got him at 42 homers, which seems like a little bit less than it could be. Um, it's about where we were. Yeah, same, same spot. spot. I've got him at a 250. Exa- I also have him at a 250 batting average. Okay. I've got him at a 340, um, uh, 340 on base, Ooh. 590 slugging. I had him really high on slugging. Um, even though I had him 42 homers, I think he's going to be a big double trip, not triple guy, but I think he's going to be, he's going to be a guy who, um, he just drives the drives the ball really hard. His barrel percentage is one of the highest in the league. So even if it's not getting out, even if it's not the highest launch angle, it could go to the gap very easily. Um, so I've got him at a uh, 930 OPS and a war at 4.2. So we have very similar, uh, very similar um, projections on Miguel Sano. I think this gives you guys some idea of me and Max and plans at all. We just, we think very similarly about baseball, which I suppose you could say makes for a boring podcast. We don't argue enough, but I like to think works out well because we can build off each other. Um, but yeah, just this. And then the um, drafting players or Max went straight down my board and it's just fun. Um, next thing I'm going to get into my pitch. I guess before I get into my pitch, I do want to say on snow, like I just want to see him healthy, man. He was the number three prospect in baseball few years ago. And it was almost purely because that just raw power. He can hit the ball harder than anyone in baseball. He's like led baseball and exit velocity the last couple of years. So if he can just make – he struck out 50% of the time this past year. If he can make any more contact than that, he's just going to crush the ball all over the yard. And I just – I want to see him stay healthy, stay on the field. And I think he once he gets into a rhythm, he, he's got pretty good on base skills, and he just torches the ball, bro. So it's, it's just fun to watch him when he's hot. I exactly, and that's something else. I think the Twins have gotten really unlucky over the past, like, I think decade, maybe a little bit more. Um, you look at a guy like Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton, who came as really young guys um, into our, um, you know, into our system, and they were top prospects. Um, was it Sano one and Buxton three, or Buxton one, Sano three, or something? Buxton one, Sano yeah, three. Yeah, who's two at that time? Do you know? I don't remember who either it was. Way. They didn't end up having a big major league career. Yeah, I, I've either way, um, you know, Buxton at one, Sano at three. Like, these guys were going to be insane, and they have been good. But if you look at, um, I think they've gotten a little bit unlucky with how much, like, you know, credit they've gotten, how much, um, you know, they've been injured. How much they've been hurt is really the big thing for both of them. They've yeah. never been able yeah. to stay healthy. And we talk about that a lot because it's just, it really sucks as a fan because you want to see those guys do their thing. Because when they are, this past year, there was a two-week stretch where Miguel Sano was one of the hottest players on the planet. Boxing. He had, like, extra base hit in, like, eight or nine straight games. No, but that Sano did it first. Yeah. And then, like, the next 10 games, Buxton got hot. And between the two of them, they carried the team for a three-week stretch. And that's stretch. the funny thing. Just the two players, basically, gave us 
we went we won like seventy five percent of our games those two for those three weeks and it was just those two guys. That's the thing. We won the division. Our offense was not as good as it could have been. It was like one guy carrying. If everybody does this, not for the whole season, but every if everybody does this, if we can get three or four guys hot at a time, the way we had one or two this we're past be year, disgusting. we're going to be insanely. Um, exactly, and that's why the Twins' offense. While last year I think now it's getting underhyped, it's sixty games next year. Oh my goodness, it's exciting. Um, but yeah, I think just that the way the Twins have gotten super unlucky with this. I think you know guys like Alex Kirilov and Royce Lewis should, you know, they're just gonna come through for us. And I think the fact that Buxton and Sano and Barrios can like come up and be really good, you know, maybe everything will finally come together, and that's when, um, you know, we'll we're going to come away with the, the trophy next year. All right, Max, you want to get started this time? Since I sure do. Um, so the guy that I'm looking at uh, is going to pitch in 30 games. Uh, I've seen pitching in 30 games uh, with uh, 195 for innings pitched and ERA at 3.25. So I'm guessing it's a starting pitcher, not a reliever. We'll see. Um Sorry, what did you say the ERA was? Uh, 3.25 for my ERA. A okay. whip at 1.105 and a win-loss ratio uh, – or not ratio, a win-loss of uh, 17 and 7. I'm leaning Kenta Maeda here. It is not Kenta Maeda. Ooh. I feel like that's about what my prediction for Maeda is. Yeah. I'm like, really high on this I guy I think it's about where I'd be I'm with really Maeda. high on this guy for this year. It must be – I guess Barrios then? No. Really? Huh. No. Now I'm curious. Because, like, I, you do like Michael Pineda. I just don't think Pineda's going to get that many innings. So I guess I'm going with Michael Pineda. It's Michael Pineda and me. Okay, I know that sounds that okay. sounds crazy, right? Hear me out, though. Okay, he pitched. If you look in, like, when in his Yankee days, um, 2016, he pitched 175 innings, right? And this is when he he pitched yeah. 32 games, 107. Okay, I should, probably should have had the more corresponding games to innings pitched. Um, but I see him going a lot deeper into games. He was again that year. He was six and 12, four eight two area. Didn't go as deep into games. Um, so I see him being a lot better this year. I'm just I'm crazy high on Michael Pineda for some reason. I just can't get that out of my head. And so um, I'm really excited about that. I think Pineda is going to be good. I just think he's going to be a five inning pitcher this year. Like, for me, I think he's going to go out there and he's going to – I just – he hasn't made, pitched a full season since 2016. 2017, he only started 17 games. 2018, he missed the whole year with Tommy John. Uh, 2019, he came back his first year with the Twins and got into 26 games. He got suspended at the end and missed his last, like, five or six starts in the playoffs. And then this year, he only made five starts because of the suspension finishing up. So, I just think he hasn't pitched a full – year I think he's probably going to be around the 30 starts but I think he's gonna be around 140 to 150 innings pitch just go four or five strong per start and then hit over the bullpen because when you've got Barrios in front of him and Maeda who can each go six or seven you don't need as much out of the bullpen before him and Hap's a pretty durable guy behind him I feel like they'll keep the start shorter but that's just me this is your projection who's and let's hear yours now it was yeah so it was Michael Pineda were you about Um, to ask Who's mine? Who mine was? <laughs> I was. I'm just really <laughs> intent on these names today. Um, but I'm going to really actually, I'm going to really quick go over Pineda's, like for me. Um, so I've been really high on him ever since he got with the Twins. I think he's a guy where if we, if you see what he did in 2020, 3.38 ERA. And I think 
I don't think this was a fluke. He figured out so much. I know you can say, oh, yeah, it was the steroids. I think he he's figured out so much since he's gotten into a Twins uniform. He's settling in with um, uh, Wes Johnson. You know, he's still – I'd say he's, like, still – prime ish he's he's i'd say he's definitely leaving his prime now ish but like i still i still think he has a lot of good years um and again since this is all top of my head last minute decision um i've got these are kind of just like numbers that i'm probably going to regret later but um for now uh you know i'm I'm just i guess my point is that i'm super high on michael pineda those numbers will probably exaggerate a bit my point is that i can see him being um you know, say Brios has right. the year that, you know, he's been having. I can see Michael Pineda being our number two starter. All right. I'm just going to throw a couple of numbers out there for Pineda since I feel like I should. I've got him at like a 3-8 ERA. In 2019, he pitched almost full season, had a 4.01 ERA and a 4.02 fifth. Those basically line up. He pitched about as expected. I think he's got a little bit more there than that showed because he really picked up at the end of that pass year, though. He did get busted um, for a masking agent for drugs after that, so you don't know for sure. But I think he's got Probably got 3.7, 3.8, 3.9, somewhere in there. I'll go 3.8, and he'll throw, like I said, about 145, 150 innings. Be a five-star guy. And a few less wins because you have to pitch five innings to get the win. Even after five, a lot of games aren't decided. But I think the Twins will win a lot of the games he pitches. He just might not get credit for as many of them. All right. I'm going to my guy now. I have him pitching in 50 games, pitching 55 innings, 17 saves, a three ERA and a one point three WHIP. All right. Um. Here. Uh. Go over. Okay. So, how many? You had him at fifty innings. You said or fifty games. Fifty games, fifty-five innings. Just a few more innings than games. Seventeen saves. That's probably the most helpful clue you're going to get there. A three ERA and a one point three WHIP. One point three WHIP. Is it okay? No, no, no. It's not going to win. Alex Colomay. It is. It is. That was impressive. Nicely done. Uh, Yeah. Colomay, I haven't gained about 17 saves. I think there's going to be about 45 saves to Mm -hmm. get for the Twins. I think that Taylor Rogers is going to get about 20 of them. I think Colomay is going to get about 15 to 20. I think Duffy's going to get about 10 to 15. The Robles is going to get 5 to 10. That doesn't add up exactly, but that's sort of the range I see them in. I think Colomay is going to get the second most, maybe the most, depends on how they use Rogers. But I think they'll give Rogers the primary close role just because he was so good in 2019. Got him with about a three ERA with a 1.3 whip, which don't line up exactly. Usually a 1.3 whip is going to lead you a little bit higher ERA. If you look at his projections on baseball reference, he's at a 1.25 whip and a 4.25 ERA. So, like, a much higher ERA with a lower whip. I just think that what he does is, like, he doesn't let up the home runs. He doesn't let up as many big innings. But he's going to let up a few singles because he's not going to strike as many guys out as you'd like to see. So I think that his whip's going to be a little higher, but he's going to keep the ERA lower, get some saves. And I think he's going to not, he's going to be a one inning reliever for the most part. He might have a few times where he comes in to get the last out of the eighth and then pitches a ninth or something, but 50 games, 65 innings. I would love to see us from Alex Colomay. It'd be a great addition at the price we got him at or pretty much any price. I'll be glad to have him as our third or fourth best reliever. For sure. With that. For sure. Yes. And um, yeah, I'm a, I, while I love Alex Colomay, I was super excited. I had him at, I or like I have him at about a three five ERA. I see it hap- I see him um, having about the same whip, maybe one point two three four ish whip. Um, you know, all similar. Um, but I, I just see um, the thing with Colomay is that you know again gives up more contact, not the hardest contact, granted. But um, I don't see him being. I don't want to say as lucky. 
but I don't see him holding those runners um, and straining them at the end of the inning as much as you do, I think. And so that's just like the main difference between um, ours. But yeah, I really, I just, you know, I heard saves and I, I immediately like four or five guys popped into my head and, you know, the other half was, were like cut off. And so, um, but yeah, I'm super pumped for column A2. I just, um, he's got a really good cutter. I'm so excited to see that. Cause you don't have like most cutters on the team, I guess, you know, we got some guys with cutters, but Alex Colomay throws primarily that cutter and cut fastballs can be so nasty, especially when a guy like Colomay is throwing it. Um, and to see him, to see us take him from the White Sox and hopefully he has success against them. Um, you know, I just, again, we all hope that the years that we've projected happen. Um, it's just like if they happen is kind of the question. And the most like scenario is that most of these players won't look up the projections we have them for and a couple of them might exceed them but like if all the players have the projections that me and Max project them for it's was win 125 games like it's unlikely that they'll all we kind of project the 75th to 80th percentile for most of these players but that's because we're optimistic and we want to believe that this team they could win 120 games it's super duper duper unlikely but it's spring it's a time for faith uh, I think that's about all the time we have today one more thing we want to touch on um, Mike Bell the Twins bench coach had kidney cancer um he had surgery and he's at home resting he's not at spring training and he's gonna miss the start of the 2021 season um our thoughts and prayers are with mike bell and his family and we hope that he can just recover and get healthy and i'm we're hoping to see him back on the baseball field soon because i'm sure that's what he wants he just wants to be back to his normal life and just the best of luck to him I think that's about all the time we have today. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or to get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Bomba underscore breakdown. That's B-O-M-B-A underscore B-R-E-A-K-D-O-W-N. You can find us on Twitter at Bomba Breakdown. We have an email, Bomba Breakdown at gmail.com. Email us with any uh, feedback or any questions you want to have answered on the show. Thanks for listening to Bomba Breakdown.